I need a reason? Mr. Kupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices to the part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. And... Happy Halloween. Welcome to episode 70 of the Graveyard Shift Horror Podcast, where each week we watch a horror movie, or at least horror-ish movie, suggested by one of our listeners, and we break it down into the good, the bad, and any other category we decide to make up along the way. We'll talk about the plot, some production details, and anything else we find fun or relevant. I'm your host, Sheldon, and I never worked Graveyard Shift alone. While this week's movie may be the black sheep of its franchise, this guy is a black sheep of ours. Please say hello to my co-host, Mike. Hey, everybody. Mike, I've made an important life decision. Mm-hmm. When I grow up, I want to be just like Tom Atkins. Oh, shit, yeah. Now, that's a man. Sleeping with woman with the woman half his age, punching the guts out of robots, having the ability to toss things with pinpoint precision, and not giving... Not giving a fuck if the movie you're in has nothing to do with the series' predecessors. That's a man. So, all these things have something to do with this week's movie, and of course... So, why wait around any longer? Why don't you tell everyone what we've got for them this week? Okay, today's episode is TV Will Rot Your Brain. Because we watched Mellow Yellow. Oh, wait, no, that's a different Donovan lyric. We watched Season of the Witch, a.k.a. Halloween 3. That's right. Now, this one was suggested uh, a long time ago by a friend of the show 
Kyle Clark was on almost a year ago for our Night in the Comet episode, if I remember correctly. And while we were chatting, this movie came up, and we both agreed that it does not get the recognition it deserves. And since we already had our October episodes in the bag, we decided to sit on this one until this October. So here we are. Uh, speaking of Kyle Clark, if you're not familiar with him, you have to check out his stand-up act. He's incredibly funny, and also check out his podcast called This Is Rad with Kyle Clark and Matthew Burnside. It is awesome. You won't be disappointed. But before our breakdown, here's some info on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Released on October 22, 1982, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch is an American science fiction horror movie starring Tom Atkins and is the third installment of John Carpenter's popular Halloween series. It has a runtime of 98 minutes, had a budget of $2.5 million, and had a box office return of $14 million. It got an R rating from the MPAA due to violence, gore, and nudity. There was nudity in this, right? I, 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 don't, rec- I don't think so. I know that I wanted nudity. There was plenty of time when this girl was appropriately naked and inappropriately covering herself up. Yeah, we did like see running from movie. the sh- oh, like running from the shower when she's like no one else is there. So like, what's with the modesty? <laughs> we did see one boob. Oh, and one uh, one Tom Atkins ask if I uh, if I remember correctly. Oh, Tom Askin. Okay. Tom Askin. That's right. So Rotten Tomatoes gives this one. Oh boy, a critic score of forty three percent. Shame on you for that, critics. And an audience score of. Are you ready for this one, Mike? Oh, boy. 25%. Fuck. Extra shame on anyone that gave it such a low score. Now, while I certainly don't share in the opinion, I do understand someone not liking this movie, especially if you're a fan of Halloween's Michael Myers storyline. And that's like i mean that's the issue with this thing a lot of people if you're a fan of the michael myers storyline you're not gonna like this one so much because there is no michael myers in it um he does make an appearance you do see him yes (laughs) but uh in this universe the, the universe of this movie exists in halloween is a movie so so i guess the question is if this one abandoned the plot of the first two films. What could it be about? Well, here's the plot summary. An apparent murder-suicide in a hospital emergency room leads, an, leads to an investigation by an on-call doctor who reveals a plot by an insane toy maker to kill as many people as possible during Halloween through an ancient Celtic ritual involving a stolen boulder from Stonehenge, an android army, and Halloween masks. Yeah, if that sounds convoluted and nonsensical to you, you're not wrong. But if you're like me, as crazy as that story sounds, it's actually a big part of the charm of this movie. We'll get into that in a little bit. Most of the money made from this, by this movie was during its opening week. After that, it just ate a big pile of shit. Um, this is mostly due to the every, fact... Because everybody wanted Halloween. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's mostly due to the fact that, essentially, it was released on Halloween week. You know, so that makes sense that after that week, it kind of died off. But, of course, 
um, the previous mention about no Michael Myers, yeah, like uh, that had a big, had a lot to do with it. So there is a reason why that this movie took a drastic turn from the first two. Um, it was all part of John Carpenter's plan when he first came up with the idea of Halloween. He came up with the story, the whole Michael Myers story. Um, originally, they were going to tell it in one movie. They decided to make it into two movies because, you know, just a way to make some more money. Because they kind of knew, they had a feeling it was going to be a hit. But his original intention was to make a an, a, an anthology series. Like a, an anthology, but like not having several stories in one movie. But every year, around Halloween time, releasing a new movie under the Halloween banner... But it would be a completely different story by a different director. And to be perfectly honest, I thought that was a fantastic idea. I thought hey, that would it, be so fucking cool. Hey, it worked with Star Wars. Jeez. Okay. Well, Star Wars every second year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that would be a great idea. Like, imagine, like, you'd have that look for, oh, wonder what, like, this Halloween, I wonder what the story is going to be about. Like, who's going to be in it? What's going to happen? Who's going to be directing it? It would be great. Um, unfortunately, people just couldn't get their heads around that. Like, they didn't understand. And, I mean, it's kind of like... Back then, I mean, it's hard to get the word out about what the intentions are. It's not like now where it would be all over the internet, you know, what that this director plans to do. So people would be kind of expecting it now. Then nobody had any idea. They just thought, like, okay, Halloween 3, I wonder how Michael Myers survived being, you know, shot in the, in the face twice, like, literally in the eyeballs, and then burned to death. But, um, of course, no, that didn't work. People want the same old, same old rehash all the time. So after the critical flop of this one, it got that idea got scrapped, and it just went back to doing the same Michael Myers story for another, what, like, five movies? So yeah, so those great sequels, you know, that uh, everybody loves and they're so important that uh, they're coming out with a new Halloween movie that totally ignores them and pretends they never happened. Oh, you mean it doesn't follow the, the beautiful continuation of H2O with Ice Cube? Mm-hmm. Or was that Ice-T? Uh, wasn't it LL Cool J? Wow, I sound super fucking racist now. <laughs> you certainly do. Holy shit. <laughs> Wow, Mike, this is showing a whole new side of you, man, that I didn't know existed. All 90s rappers look and sound the same to me. I, I have musical taste blindness. Oh, yeah, wasn't, didn't he, like, didn't LL Cool J and H2O get shot in the throat, and then, like, at the end of the movie, he was, like, perfectly fine? Oh, yeah, but now he sounds like Tone Locke. More references! Jesus Christ. And let's, uh... Not forget, uh, what was it, Halloween Resurrection with Busta Rhymes? Oh, more fucking 90s rappers. Gee. Oh, that oh. movie. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm going to, I got comments about that movie, but I want to save it for another show because it ties <laughs> in. So, would you say that movie was dangerous? Jesus. Shut up. Okay, enough <laughs> of that. But anyway. I'll, I'll stop trying to sound hip. <laughs> yeah. It is not a good look on me. No. <laughs> okay, so I'm we're going all to do... white. Nobody worry about me. Pretty fly for a white guy. Uh, thank you. I agree. 
So we're going to do like we always do. We're going to break it down into the good and the bad and something we'll just call unclassifiable. And uh, now these things, when we come up with the good and the bad, these can be whatever we like. It could be as broad as a certain theme. Uh, it could be something as specific as a certain character, scene, line, piece of music, whatever. If we like it, we'll talk about it. If we don't like it, we'll bash it to death. And as always, we start with the good, and we will start with the Mike. So Mike, tell me something good. Pick something out of that long list of good things you have that I know you definitely have for this movie, and tell me one thing in, in particular. Oh, right off the bat, we've got a guy being chased through a junkyard, and he gets attacked by this total, like, prep school yuppie asshole in a suit at this point they just look like really silent weird people and he's got this guy pinned down he's choking the fuck out of him near a car this guy improvises a great thing he just finds like a chain on the ground which is being used as a uh, as a uh, a stop for a car because it's parked on an incline he rips out the stop with the chain and it just rolls into this guy crunches his shoulders together and it's like in the first five minutes, we get to see someone crunched between two cars. Mm-hmm. So it, it's letting you know that we're going to be creative. We're going to be weird. We're going to give some visceral. Like it doesn't have to be too gory, but it's still like a lot of like, that is just awful kind of violence. <laughs> so I like, I like your description of like the guy attacking him, though, because I got in my notes like, oh, Principal Skinner is trying to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It certainly does like start off with a bang or a, a crash or a crunch, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yep. So right off the bat, it sets a good tone. Like, yeah, anybody can die, and it's not just going to be the usual stabby stabby. We're gonna, you're gonna see some, you're gonna see some in- interesting violence. For sure. Yeah. I'm trying to be. I'm opening a beer, and I'm trying to be very quiet. <laughs> I don't think it's working. You could have done it before we started. <laughs> Why? And then my beer would be going flat. Oh, okay. Good stuff. So what's your first good? Well, what got me right off the bat with this one, and I already knew it, and I was looking so forward to uh, to watching this, getting to watch this movie again, because it's been a little while. But the music in this movie was some of the best, like, 80s synthesizer music that I've ever heard. It is so driving. It suits the moods. Of, like a, every scene that you hear it in, it suits it perfectly. It's very tense, and just like some of the, the one of the best like accompanying scores I've ever heard in a movie. And it's so simple. Like once again, it's like, uh, of course, it's not the, the Halloween theme that uh, that you know from the previous movies. Just in um, case you only thought they had one good song in them, besides dun 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 dun, or whatever, whatever the fuck it is, whatever that was, you just did. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this. Uh, but it is certainly not as iconic because this movie has uh, been critically panned. But man, I love that the music in this movie was just so so well suited, so driving and. The movie just would not have been as enjoyable without it. 
So had to make a note of that right away. And as soon as I heard those, the first little piece of it, when the movie started up, I'm like, oh yeah, the music in this thing is great. I love it. They gotta bring that back, like some nice like 80s, 80s style uh, synthesizer music for horror movies. Because it's just the, the best. So, what else you got on your list? Uh, I'm pretty sure we ha- we are sharing this one. Tom Atkins is a fucking Mac Daddy. <laughs> I didn't know whether to put this on good or to bad because he is like in some. There's some things that like I'm just like, oh man, like Tom Atkins is the man, and some other things. Uh, some other times, I'm just like, what a piece of shit this guy is. I don't think he's, like, promising to be faithful to anyone. He's just enjoying being single. Like, if, yeah, if he, like, if he mean, was he's... seriously dating any one of these women, any just even one, then he would be a fucking sleazeball supreme. <laughs> but, like, all these women are just like, oh, yeah, your divorce still going through, yeah, still separated, so how about a... My, one of my notes about halfway through this movie is, did Tom Atkins write this movie? <laughs> because... <laughs> Everyone loves me. Everyone, fuck, everyone, everyone wants woman, to fuck me. Every woman in this movie is like going all gaga over him. He's just like middle-aged, like slightly like chunky guy <laughs> with like the best mustache ever. Uh, his mustache looks like uh, Tom Selleck had a yard sale. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the ladies are just. Like as soon as they see him, they're just like, "Oh, so you're, yep, you're still getting divorced? Yep. Okay. Well, how about after I do you this favor, you take me on a magic mustache ride?" <laughs> Not to and mention, he's like, like the, uh, "It's like fuck yes." The girl, the 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 uh, woman in her, uh, you know, the uh, I, I can't remember her name, but anyway, the twenty uh, twenty year old lady who's there investigating the death of her father. Her father dies like in the most brutal manner. His skull basically gets uh, caved in, and then the uh, the assailant uh, burns himself to death. <laughs> it's like she's so upset and she's going to investigate, and it's like day later she's like, "Well, since I'm here, might as well have sex with this guy." Yeah, and it's not like Tom is being a. It's not like Tom is being a a, a douche. She's like, I'll, I'll sleep in the car, and she's like, Do you have to? And it's just like, Wow, so this is how you grieve, okay? And not to mention that uh, you know during this trip to investigate her father's murder, she decides to pack some sexy lingerie. So that's uh. Yeah, so it wasn't even an impulse fuck. Like, the second she knew that we're going to be, like, investigating, she prepped. She prepared. Maybe she just likes sexy lingerie. She just brings it wherever she goes. It's it's not Tom Atkins' fault that he's got the face that every woman wants to sit on. Maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe that's all. <laughs> Sheldon, we all are jealous of Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um... Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. I'll, okay, tell you what, I'm un, I'm no longer undecided. I'll move him into my good category. Fine. <laughs> okay, so next I got on my list, and it's no surprise because I I I get like a movie boner for every time that I see some great practical effects, and this one was full of it. Holy crap! Some amazing amazing effects, amazing props. 
Uh, the gore in this was fantastic. Jesus, the death scenes were brutal. Holy crap. Let's talk about some of the death scenes. Oh, shit. From the guy getting his 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 face just crushed. Yeah. Like a, like a rotten orange. Yep. Well, basically, like, starts off, I thought it was just going to simply be, you know, the first time I saw the death scene, okay, you're going to do, like, the uh, eye gouging scene where they drive the thumbs in the eyes and, you know... <laughs> Until Tickle it, his brain. Until it contacts with his brain and the person dies. Like, you've seen it a dozen times. But, man, these guys were thorough. They made sure that this, there was no way this guy was living. Because <laughs> they jammed the thumbs in the eyes and just kept going. Oh, and then uh, a guy just, like, lights himself on fire. And apparently he was driving a Pinto. Mm-hmm. Because the, he, it wasn't just like, ooh, a little bit of fire inside the car. It is like, fire on the upholstery, well, fuck, you might as well have just thrown a stick of dynamite under it. Yes, everything in movies, you know, cars in movies are very combustible. Well, yes, because the gasoline doesn't, like, go from the tank through one pipe to the engine. It flows, as we established, it flows through every, it flows through the hull like veins. Yes, it's and the, uh... The exterior of all cars in uh, movies in the eighties was made of dynamite. <laughs> hey, it had it, it it had like a decent crash resistance rating in theory. <laughs> yeah, so we but now we'll we'll talk about that later. But that wasn't that one wasn't actually a death per se. No, but there was other great deaths, like the lady who fucked around with a little disc that Ooh. fell off her son's mask, and we're just wondering. Oh, I wonder what the thing is going to be. Like, are we going to get like a little hologram coming out of it? Like, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. But, oh no. <laughs> uh, she's fucking with, her, with, with a hairpin just to be like, what the hell is this little circuit thing? Are you going to get a little zap? No, no, you're not going to get a little zap. <laughs> you're basically going to get a lightsaber through your fucking mouth. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about this. The whole setup. Because I talked about the plot and how, like, the main baddie, how he plans to. Uh, to kill a bunch of kids. So let's talk about the actual... Because I want to talk about this death. And I want to give us some explanation first. Before we go into details. So his plan is... Um, create a bunch of Halloween masks. And these masks are fucking awesome by the way. Like considering this was 1982. These were very well uh, constructed and detailed masks. I would love to get my hands on some of those, and I'm pretty sure that you can like find them somewhere that I can order them, and I just might do that. But anyway, these masks are great, and they all come with this little silver disc on the back, which is kind of like sort of a, almost like a kind of a certificate of authenticity type of deal, except uh, it's, it's like attached a, to the mask. It was like a little green thing with the logo on it, and it had like a little, uh, um, it looks like those uh, security tags. Where they had like the little silver thing underneath. Mm -hmm. That's what it looked like. So these ma those little discs contain a circuit board that's powered by a piece of stone from uh, uh, a, a, a rock a rock that was taken from Stonehenge. Yeah, it's one of the overhead uh, one of the overhead stones <laughs> from the uh, the ones that form the little arches. Yes. Now this thing, when it's triggered. Yeah, it shoots a beam of energy into the head of the person wearing it and apparently kills them by what I can only describe as spontaneous generation. 
<laughs> if you're not aware, this is going back to like my grade 7, grade 6 biology class. If you're not aware of what spontaneous generation is, it's the old-fashioned theory. I don't even want to say theory because, you know, scientific theory is something that's actually proven and true, not just like some idea somebody has. But it was the idea that life can spontaneously appear, be created from dead flesh. Like, people used to think that, okay, something is dead, flesh is dead, it turns into maggots. They didn't know that there was a process where flies would lay eggs on it, they would hatch into maggots, and that would, uh, that's where the maggots came from. They thought that, like, you know, oh, dead flesh turns into flies and maggots and other bugs. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this is how this thing kills them. They, they get sh- shot with this beam of light, their flesh disintegrates and starts forming into not just bugs, but like, all kinds of bugs and everything, yes, but also uh, venomous snakes, apparently. <laughs> It, it, it essentially turns the person into a, uh, a terrarium. Mm-hmm. It turns the entire person's... Uh, it's like it, their head becomes a portal to a pet store. Yeah, it turns them into a creepy-crawly pinata. And these things can fly out and start... Can crawl and fly out and start attacking anyone else that happens to be nearby. But because and, she, yeah, because she was a misfire, we only get to see a small sample of what all this is. Yeah. yeah. As a basically, she deep throats a lightsaber for a second, and then a termite or a, a Katie did crawls out of her mouth, which has been blown a fucking part. She looks like a jack o' lantern that's been left out on a veranda for about three weeks. Oh yeah, her face is messed up is disgusting i love it it is so freaking gory and uh yeah if that wasn't bad enough that she gets zapped with this thing and her face is like so disfigured and bloodied and gruesome but then we see like some kind of fucking whatever you just called it crawl out of her mouth (laughs) katie did it's like a big locust okay that makes sense or a super huge termite I, i i wasn't quite sure what it was it was definitely a real insect because that thing was like moving around and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. This was this. They used like real shit coming out of these the people that got affected by this thing. And then yeah. later on, we get we actually get like uh, th- that was a misfire. So it was just like you know you only get half the gore. <laughs> you get one bug coming out of you because because yes. because it, it, it was a, it wasn't properly triggered. But then we see a family that actually gets used as test subjects to see if this works. Where the kid puts on a mask and actually watches this commercial like this and this commercial uh, broadcast uh, actually is what triggers the disc what makes it fire kids wearing a mask he falls to the ground in front of his parents and basically just crumbles into a pile of bugs there's like flies coming out of them all kinds of spiders and ants crawling out and then a fucking snake start (laughs) crawling out of them (laughs) and start attacking the parents (laughs) Yeah, the snake kills the dad. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, man, like, this that, this is fucked. That blew my fucking mind. I'm like, this is the most awesome death scene ever. It's incredible. It's inc- like, nothing has ever happened like this where it's just like, we're going to spontaneously turn every child's head into like three plagues of Egypt at once. And I honestly, I saw this movie for the first time when I was a kid. And I didn't get like I liked this movie like that was I've been a horror I've been a horror movie person for my, pretty much my entire life, and 
I didn't even get that, like, you know, I had no problem with the Michael Myers thing because I didn't really get the connection anyway. Like, I'm sure I saw, like, probably one at least the first Halloween movie before this. But I didn't get, like, the big deal. Like, to me, this was just another horror movie, so I wasn't disappointed from if, with the absence of, of the uh, Myers story. But all I can remember for, like, several years later... I did not put on a Halloween mask without thinking about that scene. <laughs> Make sure there's no tags on it. Like, I would be put on a mask and, like, my brain would actually would immediately go to, hey, remember Halloween 3 when the kids, like, just turned into a big pile of bugs after wearing a Halloween mask? And I, my, for a moment, I would go, <gasps> but, yeah, like, that horrified me as a kid. I loved it. It was just gruesomely delicious. And still, like, watching it now, I'm like, this is a great fucking scene. And, of course, what makes it even greater is that all this all this just immense horror is going on. Just, like, you know, first they witness their kid just, like, die in front of them and turn into all this. And then they get attacked by all the shit that's crawling out of them. <laughs> the mom doesn't even get to be attacked. She just, like... She her, just falls to the heart, floor from the side of it. Sa- her heart says, fuck this, I'm out. And she just drops dead from a fucking heart attack. Yeah, like, she just goes into self-destruct mode because she's <laughs> she just can't handle what she's seeing. And what makes it even better, what drives the scene... Like, I, I know I'm supposed to be talking about just about the uh, the practical effects, which are done fantastically, and we kind of moved on into the death scenes, because you can't really talk about the practical effects in this movie without talking about the deaths. But also, what's happening, the only sound effect that you're getting through all this is that Happy Halloween, the Silver Shamrock song in the commercial the whole time. Oh, like, like the same, th- like the same three notes for their intro on a continuous loop as it gets louder and faster. It's uh, London Bridge. They, they, they yeah. I'm reading some notes in it, and it's like they use London Bridge basically because it was uh, it's simple, easy to put some lyrics over, and it was uh, public domain, so they didn't have to pay anybody for it. <laughs> oh yeah, and essentially. Like, the way that they keep amping up and, like, making this song terrifying is the same thing with Willy Wonka's tunnel scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, this, you could you could do, like, somebody could do a supercut and take that tunnel scene from Willy Wonka and just start splicing scenes from this movie into it, and it would fit perfectly. <laughs> oh, yes. And then, all well, the practical effects, and of course... I want to talk about this again later, but of course the uh, the main bad guys, Cochran is his name, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, other than being a uh, you know a very hardcore pagan that wants to bring Halloween back to its roots, um, he's also a um, master engineer because he's assembled a robot army, <laughs> an android army, I should say. That uh, pass easily for, pass easily for humans. Oh boy, do they ever! And that was that was done well too. You get some scenes where they got smashed apart. Uh, Tom Atkins like literally punches the guts out of one of them. Uh, we get to see somebody like a surprise at the end. That's uh, one of them, and that was well done. When uh, this person is like missing a few body parts. <laughs> And you actually get to see some of the robotics inside. Like, just so good. This is a credit to the uh, to the uh, 
the props people for this movie because just masterfully done. Makes me so proud. And this is another reason why I just fucking love this movie. It's just like the practical effects. I mean, they didn't have to worry about the... When it came to the other movies, I mean, the practical effects were basically just... I mean, the effects in the first movie are pretty much non-existent. Because, you know, if you remember the first Halloween movie, there's hardly even any blood in it. No, like one guy gets... uh, One girl gets choked in her car. That's not an effect. That's just like, oh, I'm getting choked and I'm going to collapse in front of the, uh, the windshield. And basically all of them are stab wounds. Um, in the second the getting, movie... The, the guy up, getting pinned to the wall. Yeah. The second movie, they upped it a bit. Like, the, the deaths get, did get a little more gorier. Like, there was one person that was drowned or boiled to death, whichever way you want to slice it. <laughs> drowned the, uh, and broiled. At the same <laughs> broiled, time. Broiled, that's so. it. And there was a few more. Like, the deaths did get a little more uh, uh, spectacular in the second one. But still nothing like this one. Like, they really went all out for the uh, effects for this one. So, yeah, it's definitely going to get some points to me. So, I guess that's a combination of good of the practical effects and the kill scenes. Because great kills in this. And uh, for my next good, Dan O'Hurley is just an amazing villain. Mm -hmm. He has, like, just this... A perfect face for someone who is friendly, avuncular, charismatic, but it's no stretch when he just like just shifts his face just a little bit, and you get to see a an apathetic, amoral, completely indifferent to suffering and violence, with an immense dedication and zealotry to his dark task. Oh yeah. He is a, in this movie, he is a master of going from meek and unintimidate. Yeah. Unintimidating. Let me try that again, because apparently I can't talk tonight. <laughs> uh, it's probably got something to do with the fact that it's like two thirty in the morning and I've had a few beer, um, throughout the day. Not like since we've been recording, but, um, yeah, like he's, Meek and unassuming, and you're right, just from the slightest shift to his face, he immediately goes into, holy shit, this guy's going to kill me mode. And it's not just in how he looks, but also when he gives that fucking monologue like when it becomes clear that like he's not just like a part of this he's like the fucking mastermind and when he tells you why like as you heard at the beginning of the show that fucking monologue of his where you just really hear him like the voice just really goes beast mode on you and it's like you don't really know about halloween do you (laughs) yeah you thought no further than the strange custom of sending your kids to go begging for candy. Ah, oh, man, that's so good. Yeah. Absolutely. And the way he talks about, like, the battles and wars of the past, like, it makes it seem like he was there. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, I you was expecting You don't know how fucking that. old this guy is. I was expecting that. Is that, like, if, like, I, you're absolutely right. Like, is he going to reveal that... Uh, holy shit! Like, because he mentions about last time that they did the uh, th- that celebration, was, the feast of Samhain. Yeah, that it was uh, three thousand years ago, 
and absolutely... When the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Yeah. Like, yeah, total Dr. Claw mode. And, um... Yeah, you, you, I'm so glad you put that on the list, because, yeah, you're right. I loved him as a villain. Not uh, very much screen time for the guy, but, like, his presence is felt any time that he's on the screen. I was expecting him to be saying stuff like, that was when it was be- that was when it became my task to keep the forces of darkness at bay with the appropriate sacrifices. Like, <laughs> I, I really believe like, I I would not have been surprised if he revealed, yes, that was when I was given this task, and for three millennia, I say I kept the world safe. So, yeah, and then uh, with his demise, when he realizes that you know he got uh, beaten by by uh, Tom Atkins. And he actually catches a glimpse of him as he's escaping. He actually starts to... He gives him the slow clap. <laughs> he's like, you... Oh, and that cheeky smile. And, oh, the, when that was happening, I was just like... Wait, is he conceding defeat? Like, you beat me, you got the better of me? Or is he just like... Oh, you tried so hard. And did absolutely fuck all. But you tried. Good for you. You tried. Like... I just really couldn't tell if this was like a you won face or you think you won face. Yeah, that's true. Okay, what else you got for the good? Uh, not Sigourney Weaver is really cute. She was really cute. I, I, I totally agree. Like, I liked her. I thought she was very attractive. And I've got one more good. How about you? I think I'm good, actually, because I've talked about the, uh, I guess, I want to put this as the good because just the storyline itself, my god, was this not the most original story ever in a horror this movie? Was like, this was like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? If nobody said no to any ideas, I never turned <laughs> the cameras off. It is so crazy. It is absolutely ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. It makes absolutely no sense. That was, that was a compliment, by the way. It sounds like a chaotic shit show. Yeah. But my description is accurate and complimentary at the same time. Oh, yeah. It is, like, so probably, while one of my favorite uh, plots to a horror movie ever, also probably the most far-fetched of a horror movie plot ever because it leaves a lot of questions but i loved it this was so goddamn original like nothing's ever been written like this before like there was a lot of cocaine being passed around that writer's room (laughs) and everyone's just like i got great ideas i got great ideas okay how are we going to tie them together why the fuck do you have to ruin it like that yeah let's just do with them you're like, okay, I got, it's like, George got this great story about, like, a bunch of pagan uh, priests that want to bring Halloween back to its roots, and uh, Tim over here has a story about a robot army bringing forth the apocalypse. Well, let's throw the whole thing in the blender and put uh, Tom Atkins on top of it, and we got a movie. <laughs> so, yeah, so, just fantastic. So, yeah, you go ahead with yours, because that's it for me. I got everything that I that I liked about it. Just one quick nod was the uh, the reference to Halloween when when Tom Atkins is in a bar and you hear that ding 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 ding. Well, whatever the fuck, I can't do it. Okay, I just I I, I fucking know what it is when I hear it, but I can't. Better, 
Yes. And you see on the TV, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is running down the stairs being chased by Mike Myers. And it says, Halloween, the immortal classic. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of jerking yourself off a bit. But, you know, you're not wrong. And (laughs) also, also, nice placement. Nice. (laughs) I was kind of hoping that Tom Atkins would say, like, turn that fucking shit off or something like that. Because he did. He already got the bartender to change the channel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or it's like, oh fuck, that movie's overrated. Uh, it wasn't great. I would like them called like Mike Myers a pussy or something. <laughs> yep. So I'm good. Uh, what about you? What is give Give me a bad. Oh boy. Hate to do this, but man. Tom Atkins, dude, like I said, was he part of the... Was he one of the writers for this movie? Because... Hey, hey, hey. Does... Was uh, he, like... Is, is Was he supposed to be, like, kind of a sex symbol in the 80s? Because, like, you know... When you think about that, like, I mean, I know, like, the usual ones that, like, everybody was really hot for in the 80s. He's not one that seems to come up. He had a Reynolds-esque quality to him. Did he? I said quality. And it's like, he I'm pretty sure he convinced the writers, it's like, okay, make sure that every woman that's in this movie has a hots for me, and I get to show my ass at least once. Well, he is good friends with John Carpenter. Like, he was hanging around during the, uh, during the filming of Halloween 1 and 2 with him. Like, they're, like they're, they're, they're good buddies. No, okay. Maybe that explains it. Yeah, that just means, like, hey, Tom, how about I give you a movie? Okay, well, do you want, can you, like, have me bang a bunch of chicks? Fuck, it's already done, bro. Check it. <laughs> hold my, here, hold my, hold my bag of coke and you check it out. <laughs> oh, God. And some of it was just creepy. It was like, he's, he's, did he, was this the second time that he was already going to have sex with this girl? I can't remember, because I know, like, it happened twice. And... Was it the first time or the second time when he actually asked her, he stops and goes, wait, how old are you again? <laughs> and she just says, I'm older than I look. I'm like, oh my god, that was so creepy. That was cringeworthy. I don't know, it showed, it showed conscience. Like, if she said 18, like, he looks like the kind of guy that definitely would have backed off. I think, I think, like, him asking that he cared is a good point for him. I mean, like, you know, if he was a quagmire sleazoid, he'd be, he'd just be like, illegal, and then that's it. Like, you're not not wearing a wire, are you? (laughs) No, I I, I swear swear to God, if Chris Hansen comes out again. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to admit that some of the bads that I have on my list could, they're not really bad, they're just things that. Just made me. It, I, I either it made me laugh or I enjoyed them, but for the wrong reasons, <laughs> because they were just so <laughs> ridiculous. That's one of them. Just that everybody falling for Tom Atkins is like. I don't think that's something that really happened in real life. And wasn't his wife was in this movie? Yep, she was like the lady. She she was the lady that got blasted by the disc in the motel room. <laughs> Oh my God! Do you think she's the that? lady that almost ran him over when we when she first shows up in right. the movie? That's amazing. 
Yeah, this thing was just clearly like a, a, a fun passion project between a bunch of friends. And it also turned out to be a fairly good movie. Oh but enough God. of the praise and the ass kissing. We're in the bad section. Yeah, we're supposed to talk about the bad things. So, all right. Okay, what do you got for your first bad? The, the plan. I we talked about this before the show, so you better not fucking argue with me on this. America has several time zones. It's a big country. And everyone's saying, like, watch out for the big giveaway at 9, because that's what it is. Like, the signal gets activated, all the masks will explode the kids. But you know what? If the, if this happens at 9 on every time zone, then the, then the West Coast is going to be hearing, like, hey, there's a bunch of shit and chaos happening. So only, like, one coast is going to get the devastation. And if it turns out that this is broadcast at 9 o'clock on, on California time... And like no, like just n- no time zones, just simulcast throughout the nation. Then it's airing at New York at midnight when most of those kids are in bed. So again, only one coastline, and maybe the Midwest. Either way is going to get affected. So yeah. e- <laughs> either way, no matter how this is broadcast, some like n- n- somebody's not going to like a good. Two-thirds of the nation are going to be fine because they're going to be asleep and not at their TVs. Yep. No, you're right. Yeah, I don't think they took that into consideration when they <laughs> put this plan forward. They just keep saying nine. They don't say like nine central, nine eastern, nine Pacific. It's just nine. So that's why I had to think like, so it's nine on in every time zone. Mm-hmm. Because it does establish that it's not just a, uh, uh, a, a a coastal scheme. Throughout the movie, you see silver shamrock masks being bought in Ohio and New York. Like it is clear, it is implicit that this is a nationwide plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So let's talk about like the plan to begin with. Like you know, there's there's obviously some issues, but. Let's talk about how, like, some things are never explained. Like, okay, so the guy's plan is he's, like, you know, old-school pagan, wants to bring Halloween back to its roots, got this mystical rock from Stonehenge that has the power of, um, you know, spontaneous, killing people by spontaneous generation, Uh, using advanced electronics with parts of the rock put into the mass that uh, get triggered by a signal and it, it broadcasts it through the commercial, which activates it. Okay, that's already, like, up to your neck in the far-fetched pool. Oh, that is so fucking convoluted. If you wanted to kill kids, just put a bomb in the tag. Blow their necks off their he- blow their heads off. And it's so much fucking simpler. But, okay, but to make sure, like, he's got a lot of people working for them. At least that's how it seems. But then we find out these people are all fucking sophisticated Terminator-esque style robots. Exactly! We could have f- killed people with the robot army. Where the fuck did they come from? Where did he get this advanced technology that doesn't even remotely exist anywhere else on, else on the planet? These are, like, androids so sophisticated, they easily pass for humans. There's no uncanny valley. They definitely... They definitely just look completely fucking real. You could have turned these things into suicide bombers. You could have turned them into just 
just put them in Halloween masks and make them go out fucking killing people and have, like, some of them dressed up like Michael Myers. Like, like, let that be the fucking connection. Like, Michael Myers is a character, a movie character in the movie. Have some of the robots just put on masks and go out killing like him. Oh, my God. Like, that has never explained, like, how they explain the whole thing. He gives his plot, you know, in that great monologue that he does, tells what his plan is. But it's never, ever mention about how he has all these people bodyguards and even the scientists that were working on the broadcast you're not even sure what side he's on like he talks like he's a hero like uh, keeping the forces of the spirit world satisfied with the sacrifice but is he or you don't fucking know what his what his what his deal is yeah so it's never ever explained like how he got this all this very advanced technology. Oh, man. And, um... Then we've got, like, the these robot people that seem to react like they have expressions of concern, like when uh, Tom Atkins starts screwing, up, screwing around with the transmission and they can't figure out what's going on. By the way, he screwed up the transmission by, what, by pressing what seemed to be three buttons on a control panel, and none of these... Severe, sophisticated advanced androids can seem to figure out what he did because they can't fix it. <laughs> None of them are just like, oh, the sequence is tripped. How about disabling the sequence? It he is already like done. basically just reaches up from like you're hiding away from underneath the disc, reaches up, starts clicking buttons. <laughs> Apparently that's all he had to do to throw this huge convoluted plot right out the window. Yeah. None of these sophisticated robots have like a thermal scanner or, you know, at least good hearing to be like, I'm hearing something shuffling up to this console. Yeah. And since we're on the... I'll go with next, since we're already talking about the robots. These robots that are basically, like I said, they're Terminators. They're go, they super strong. Can, well, I should say their strength seems to, to depend on what scene they're in. Because <laughs> apparently it varies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like... They're super strong. I mean, they kill one guy by crushing his head in. Uh, they kill another person by like just grabbing him by the side of the head and ripping his head off without any, what seemed to be no effort whatsoever. But against Tom Atkins, they are fucking, like, you might as well just put, like, a, a servo inside a real doll. They smack him around a little bit until they activate his beast mode, apparently. He destroys one of them by literally punching through its stomach and ripping its guts out. <laughs> oh, man. What? So you have to wonder, either either these have, like, assassin-level super durable robots for special missions, and they're, like, super expensive, while the rest of them are basically, like, like paper tigers. Yeah. And I'm going to keep going on with, like, this robot army because... Well, there's so much. Uh, Ellie, the, you know, the main uh, the main squeeze of this movie, gets turned into a robot. <laughs> turned or replaced. We don't quite know what the process is. Yeah, does he turn I, humans into robots or does I, he just make them from scratch? Well, we never see them get thing. assembled. I guess it's like it's replaced because I don't think there's any parts of like the humanity left. Like there's nothing like it's all robot. You know, it's not like there's just robotic parts inserted or anything like that or like controlled by a robotic brain or anything like that. It Maybe they like, get hollowed out. Who knows? It seems like they're just like a replicant. So we don't even know what happened to the real Elliot. We're assuming that she's just killed and replaced with this robot. She got Halloweened. 
Yeah. So so Tom Atkins for like you know a big stretch of this movie is running around with an Ellie bot. Uh, doesn't know it. <laughs> oh, that's one of my bads. So we can get into it together. Okay. She. It re- yeah, she reveals at the end that she's a, a robot when she tries to kill him. And all this time, she could have tried to kill him at any point. Or, exactly. Or, or just give like a body snatcher scream when he's trying to sneak around the other bots and just rat him out. Or like when he's sneaking to the console. Ellie Bot it- stands there next to him and watches him completely decimate all of Cochrane's plans. <laughs> And destroy Cochrane in the process. Yeah, what kind of robot doesn't do... Like, maybe that's why he's smiling and clapping. Like, oh yeah, you fucking killed me, but I'm going to get my revenge on you when she kills you. And somehow didn't save my life. Maybe that's why he was smiling and clapping. Maybe. He's just like, you're going to fucking die. But, yeah, but my thing was that, like, you know, she could have stopped him at any point. But if she waits until they're actually driving in the car. They're, they've got this this whole... Uh, the the uh, Silver Shamrock factory is literally burning down. They escape. And it's not until he says, Okay, so now we've got that done. we just got to make sure that this signal, the, this commercial, does not get broadcasted. We have to find a way to stop it. And that's when she terminator outs on him. And uh, goes for the kill. And again... Apparently, they have varying strength depending on what scene they're in because <laughs> she literally has him by the throat and he several times and he gets away each time. Oh, and they have limited durability because other times he can pull out a wire and they're fucking dead. And then when Ellie bought, I don't know, she was like the Omega Supreme Terminator mode. No matter what he breaks, she keeps going. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently now they're, uh, yeah, and with Elliebot, her limbs can uh, activate independently from the body. (laughs) Oh, there was like one scene I sent to you where her hand is open on him. She's not gripping anything and he's still struggling with it. Like, what the fuck is she? She's not gripping onto anything. He could easily just take that arm away now. Yeah. I know, one of my notes is where the hand just, like, springs up out of nowhere and just grabs him by the throat, and my note there is, that's not how physics works. Yeah, hands don't fly. Like, she would have to, like, like leap. Yeah, it has no propulsion system other than, like, I guess it would have the ability to crawl around by its fingers, but it's just laying on the car seat and then just, like, pops up and grabs him. (laughs) Yeah, it could have at least, like, used its fingers as, like, to, like, leap. But, you know, as far as we know, like, the arm itself just can, like, bounce Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, while we're all wrapped up around that thing uh, one of my bigger bads is what the fuck exactly killed Cochran because <laughs> everything like the computers start having a glowing ring around them so it's like he's being deleted by the master control program <laughs> well, let's... and the, com- or the computers are brought to life by the cursed pogs which are not which which basically killed all the androids. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so let's talk about this. So they activate, like, basically, because uh, Tom Atkins also has, like, great computer, like, uh, technical knowledge, because he turns on the broadcast, the commercial. <laughs> Just like a computer or a woman. If it can be turned on, he's the guy to do it. <laughs> Jesus. So... While they're trying to figure out, all the androids, these super sophisticated androids, like I mentioned earlier, can't figure out, like, oh, I don't know what to do. He must have pushed three buttons. 
Um, <laughs> he climbs up to the top level and starts throwing those discs off the top. And I guess because they're now in the presence of... They're being the, activated by the signal. By the signal, yeah. And they fall onto the androids and they get... Explode. Electrocuted. Yeah. Um, Death by pogs. And this causes some kind of energy beam to shoot between, like, the computer terminals and uh, the big Stonehenge it, rock. And it, yeah, Cochran just happens to be between, right between it. It forms its own ring, like its own Stonehenge, but made of computers, while the Stonehenge block itself also lights up. <laughs> so, you can't tell. Is he being, like... Did this, like... Is this, like, a, a scene from Tron? He just got derezzed by the master control program, while simultaneously Stonehenge itself is punishing him for fucking up the schedule on the sacrifice. Oh my or, god, what about this movie is a sequel to Tron? Oh my god, it makes Wait, just when as did much Tron sense. Come out? <laughs> uh, early 80s? Oh, I know it was definitely early 80s, but I mean, we were, we're operating on a very tight thinking, timeline here, Mike. So I'm thinking got... 84. Was it? I'm going to find out, because now I'm curious, because you're right. 1982, same year! Wait, what, I thought this movie was 86. No, this uh, this movie came out in 82 as well. When did Halloween 2 come out? 1980? Halloween 2 came out in 1981. Wow, so this was instant. Like, he really was trying to go for a yearly release schedule. Yeah, that was the plan. I know they had uh, a big, they had a big, uh, they had quite, a few, they had a few years between the first Halloween and the second Halloween, but uh, that was the actual plan. Well, it was a yearly release. Yeah. So Cochran, uh, who knows what the fuck happened? Like, who knows if he was punished by Stonehenge, deleted by the Master Control Program, or if he just had to go away because his home planet needed him. Mm-hmm. But either way, he gets. <laughs> Or he was just obliterated by the physical representation of Tom Atkins' awesomeness. Oh, yeah. It just, like, took away all the pigment and moisture out of him and turned him into Lot's wife. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Yeah, like, that just... It just made absolutely no sense. There's so many things unexplained. Like, I would just... Love... Couldn't that have been just part of the monologue? Just, like, some explanation of how Cochrane got such sophisticated technology than how he was able to just pull this whole thing off but yeah was he given divine knowledge by uh by his ancestors as like this for the sacrifice or like how did he come to know this was he was he trained by it or did he just like read up on it in a library and just think oh fuck i gotta get in on this shit like we don't know what his duty was like, did you just think, oh, this is fun, i got to try it out? Or you could have just thrown away all the Celtic shit and just be like, I want to know what my greatest secret is. I really fucking hate kids. <laughs> and I always did. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The guy that played uh, Michael Myers in Halloween, the actor's name is Dick Warlock. <laughs> Dick Warlock! Oh my god! That's a porn name as fuck. Wow. Hey, what's your name? Oh, it's Penis Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Holy shit. <laughs> Dick Warlock. Uh, <laughs> He's a stuntman. 
Wow. Okay, so what's your bad? Because I got like one final bad. Ugh. Um, you know what? I really don't have anything bad else to say. Like, anything else to say. Like, everything else was pretty good. Like, the only thing I could complain about with this movie uh, was just... And like I said, like, I don't even want to complain about where it's... Like, like the movie's plot, I guess. It's so convoluted, but, like, that's part of what I liked about it. It's just absolute spectacular craziness. Just that I would have liked to got an explanation about where the fuck all these robots and uh, everything else, <laughs> this advanced technology is coming from. Yeah, well, you could have just thrown out the robots and just be like, "I am, I am the leader of a coven." Yeah, and these are all these are all my my acolytes. Like, boom, there. We've been around for a long time, and we have incredible wealth, and like we have, you know, like we use that to create some of the world's most advanced technology. Yeah, and we were behind all the we were behind the Black Plague. We were behind uh, the Great War. Like every time the uh, every time that the the spirit world needed a a massive sacrifice of human life to maintain the barrier, we were there as its stewards, its guardians. Yeah, it would be like their version of like the League of Shadows from Batman. Yeah, basically, but with a a spiritual purpose rather than like oh, we're just a bunch of fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah, at least like, like make him out to be a hero to his own like in his own mind. Yeah, so to be quite honest like I don't have anything to complain about. Like that's, that's that was pretty much it. Like I I don't even <laughs> want to say like it's not I I'm not even going to say that it's a bad thing that uh I totally disagree where people don't like this movie because they always if very first thing if you ask somebody what they think of Halloween 3, either they haven't seen it or they say, oh, I don't like it. it, didn't even have Michael Myers. I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. And that's nothing against the whole Myers plot because it's a great story. I'm actually looking forward to the new one that's coming out. Um, I think it was a great idea that they're not even going to acknowledge that the sequels happened. That they just want to continue on from like the uh, from the original storyline. But... Um, I'm okay with it. Like it, I. No complaints here. Like that was that my one complaint, kind of a big one, but like that's it. So if you got something else bad to say, go ahead. Uh, I guess I've just got one. It, it doesn't technically call as a count as a what the fuck, but it's kind of like like the the teetering on the edge of bad to what the fuck is. Uh, who the hell is this doctor calling? That he can just, on a panicked phone call, take off several channels <laughs> at the last minute on just his word alone. He didn't go to a station and provide, like, video footage of the signal killing a kid. He calls, like, the head of TV. Because <laughs> it's not just one network. There are several channels at this guy's disposal. So I'm thinking he's calling the president of TV. <laughs> and he's just like... You can you just got to take it off the air, and they fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And then instead of like saying like uh, turn off CBS or NBC or you know KTTL like something, he's just saying like the third channel, take it off the third channel. Is this called the third channel? Yeah, I'm not sure how TV worked in the '80s when it came to uh, you know. Even though that's the time when I did my most TV watching, but I'm not sure how the inner workings went. <laughs> but... <laughs> You're watching the third channel. Now we're watching the news. Yeah. With with the guy. 
I don't know if there was some station that was in control of like several stations, like channels, but apparently so. <laughs> at least in this universe, that's how it worked. Yeah, like at best, you think you'd have like a phone book where he's calling up the heads of several networks who apparently are listed. <laughs> Because <laughs> he just has to call one guy who has control over several stations. I think that we would just, like, really benefit if we could have figured out, like, what the hell was on the other end of that phone call that he could, like, have that conversation and actually get results of any kind. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I'm going to blow your mind right now, buddy, because it's been a little while, but I actually called in a favor from some of our connects. And you know what? Oh, fuck. I thought we I thought we exhausted them. I, we, you, you haven't uh, brought any favors in recently. Oh, well, you know, like uh, we took we took a little bit of a break a couple of weeks ago. And uh, during that time, I actually got in contact with some brand new people that seem to have pretty amazing resources when it came to coming up with uh, some answers that are missing from this movie. Well, it's good to know that you had the show in mind when you were on break. Yeah, it's great. Oh, always. This is always my number one priority. You know that. But uh, I originally I started looking because I want to find out about, you know, the advanced technology, how they got their hands on that. Thought maybe there was going to be some kind of explanation, but no, they found something else. Uh, one of my connects actually found a uh, some deleted material. And actually, it's some scenes that you actually would have gotten to see the person on the other end of that phone call. Shit, I thought I saw everything with the director's cut. Yeah, yeah. so this is how rare this footage is. Like, it doesn't even make it to the director's cut, or even the producer's cut, or the janitor's cut, or anything else. So... <laughs> the best boy's cut. So this is going to be a Graveyard Shift exclusive, and we actually have the audio from the deleted scene of this phone call. And this is going to work out great for this week's It Came from the Cutting Room Floor. Fucking board of directors telling me I'm on thin ice with my drinking. It's a fucking stressful dog being present. Who the fuck do they think that... Who the hell's calling me? What? Fuck. Hello? What? Who is this? My name is Dr. Daniel Chalice. The Silver Shamrock giveaway is a trap. There's danger in the signal. Ugh, I am too drunk to argue with this, and you are a doctor. Continue. If it goes on... It means death to millions of people. Everyone watching, don't you understand that? And just what am I going to tell the people in the control room? Well, well, say it's a bomb then. Say whatever you want. Just get it off the air. Okay, and you can prove this with... Please, you just... No, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me. Believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to. It... Fuck it, fine. <laughs> The third channel. It's still on. Yeah, you're lucky Please. I had a friend at the second channel, the but I channel. I don't get along with the, the guy in the third channel. It's still running. I, okay, calm your it. shit. For God's Call sake. them. Please stop it. There's no more stop time. Stop yelling Please at me. Stop it. Stop it. I'm now. hanging up there. You stop are it. a really rude doctor. Fuck that. At it doesn't doesn't fix the entire movie, but it definitely fixes that ending. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that amazing? Like, I wonder how they would do that. Like, how you would have saw this if they went with this scene. Would have we gotten, like, a jump back and forth? Or would, it, would they have done that 80s thing? You know, it was more popular in 80s TV shows where they would have actually split the screen and you see the two people on the <laughs> phone get, like, at the same time. 
Yeah, at best you get like a nice little uh, white lightning bolt in between them. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so amazing. I wonder if the president had like a console at his desk, which is basically has like like just simple light switches that he can send to the uh, send to them like a button that just like lights up the board like kill signal, turn off. <laughs> or it's just got like a key that like two people have to turn at the same time and it just shuts everything down. <laughs> And apparently he has that power over a over a friendly network as well. Mm-hmm. He can just be he can just like send like quick flash messages on their computer screens to other pe- to other networks like hey what's up what you doing what are you broadcasting. So yeah, so that's that. So Mike, I know what I would pick if I was doing this segment. Like I certainly have mine right off the bat. There's no question. But I'm very curious about what you're going to use for this segment. Uh, I did have a lot of selection for this week's kill of the week. But I eventually settled on to the mass slaughter by pogs leading to the villain getting turned into Lot's wife. Ah, (laughs) not what I thought you were going to go with, but okay. The the kid, the kid, the the kid, the test signal kid was a very close second, but this just had like the last scene of a great villain getting dispatched in a absolutely fucking confusing way. But the fact that he just like turned on a signal and sprinkled some <laughs> some shoplifting tags onto a computer, which killed everybody in the circle. It was like, how do you kill a robot army? Lure them into one spot and sprinkle them with pogs. Electric pogs is all you need to know. I just got, uh, no, I, I, you do your thing, man. You do you. But I got to disagree. Like, mine was, without a doubt, the, uh, the test kid. Like, that just, that scene just is one of my favorite death scenes ever, so... It was pretty freaking flashy. I gotta disagree. <laughs> but no, either way, all good kills. This movie did not have a kill that wasn't fantastic, so either way, you can't lose. Nope. So guys, that is our coverage of the Black Sheep of the Halloween series, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Have you seen this movie? And if you have, what did you think? think of it uh did you like it didn't like it does can you not just get past the fact that it had no michael myers in it and just enjoy it for what it is and did you agree with what we had to say with it did you think we were way off because we like this um honestly like i said got a 47 from critics a 25 from uh for an audience score rotten tomatoes honestly you add those two together and you get my score i give this a 70 all day so, but we want to know what you think. Uh, agree, disagree, or you just want to send us a movie suggestion for a future episode? Well, you've got some options. You can email us at graveyardshiftpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at gys underscore horrorpod, on Facebook at the Graveyard Shift Pod, and you can also follow along with us on Instagram at instagram.com slash the Graveyard Shift Pod. Now, guys. The show is free to listen to, but it's not free for us to run. So if you're feeling 
especially generous, you can go on over to patreon.com graveyard. And there you can make a donation for uh, us to use to help with the running of the show for things like production costs, um, our Podbean network, of course. There's a fee that we have to pay for to get our show published. And maybe uh, maybe a little get some prizes for giveaways. The bigger budget we have, the more awesome stuff we can do for you. Absolutely. Like 100% of any proceeds we collect goes directly into the show and to get passed along to our listeners. And um, for you do get a little bit of a reward because if you're donating as little as $1 a month to the show, you get access to some Patreon-exclusive bonus content where we do some Patreon-exclusive shows and only our Patreon donors get access to them. We like to switch them up a little bit with Patreon. We don't do it like the good and bad thing, the whole thing. Sometimes we'll go through a whole synopsis. Sometimes we won't talk about a specific movie at all. We'll talk about you know a lot of movies. Like We'll do a top 10 list. Um, one time we actually covered a video game, so like we do a lots of other stuff. And if you want to get a preview of that, you can actually go back a few episodes because we did a free Patreon preview a little while ago. So you can check those out to see if it's something you want to donate to, if you think it's uh, something you're interested in. But of course, we understand not everybody has the money to give us money. You can still help us out a ton by going on over to iTunes or Stitcher, or Google Play, however you ingest our podcast, there's some kind of rating or reviewing system. We certainly would appreciate a good five-star review, or whatever you see fit. And you can do the same things on social media. You can rate, review, and um, if that's not an option, you can share us on your own social media pages, or just by word of mouth, tell people that you think might be interested in listening to us talk about horror movies. Tell them about the show, and where they can get it. Mike, other than the graveyard shift, what other things you got going on? Well, remember how I told you the uh, the little complicated way you can find Technobabble? Well, that's changed. It is now just Technobabble by Mike and Rich. By doing just looking for that wherever you find podcasts, you will easily find the Technobabble show I do with Rich, where we talk about science, tech, amazing gadgets and groundbreaking tech or maybe just interesting pipe dreams that can change the world and always we try to put a little bit of good news because we certainly need it in the world also the playing with power podcast which is uh i'm eventually going to wrap up this year of uh, 1996 that volume and that is the uh the nintendo power retrospective magazine we read each issue first to last front to back of Nintendo Power Magazine. We talk about the games, the articles, the all the amazing good stuff in there, and also the taste test, retro gaming with flavor. That is with me and Brandon and Ivan. We talk about old video games. We play them. We throw food jokes in there, do some skits. It's all fun times. So, you know, I've got like some other shows, so... There you go. And again, if you subscribe to the Patreon, it just might convince me to create a different horror type uh, podcast as well. So, you know, the more we got, the more we can uh, give back to you in one way or another. So check those out. Like and subscribe and, you know, good stuff. Mike's got ideas, folks. He's got plans and schemes. He just doesn't have ways and means. (laughs) So help him out with that if you can. And, um... 
yeah, check it out. And uh, I'm very, I'm very excited because with Halloween coming up, I'm going to be on an episode of the Taste Test, checking out some horror video games because that is my so my fucking jam. Cannot wait to do that. And that's it for us, guys. It is currently 3.13 in the morning and I am fucking dying so I need to wrap this up <laughs> we're going to be back next week with a brand new episode and uh, another entry into our October series where of course everything is going to be Halloween related in some way I don't mean necessarily mean ho- relate to the Halloween movie series uh, even though although, several are although next, se- <laughs> yeah. although next episode we are going to review Halloween for Hurdy Gurdy Man no we're not shut up um <laughs> but yeah so we've got some good episodes coming up and especially looking forward to our halloween finale because that's always going to be a good thing but we will get more into that later on until then i'm sheldon and i'm mike and please come back and join us again next week for another episode of the graveyard shift as long as i don't die Ha 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 